So again, let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, you're always present to us and that you love us so much. Help us to become aware that no matter where we are, when we're listening, that you are with us. And as long as we keep focused on you, we'll always have hope because you're bigger than all our problems. You're bigger than all our trials, all our temptations, all our struggles, all the things that people might say about us or think about us. You love us and you died to save us. Jesus, help us to stop and become aware of you. We beg you these things, Lord Jesus, in your most holy name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, I'm sorry these things happen. Remember, I'm going to be gone the next two weeks, so we will not have live podcasts. All my uh, homilies and everything, I'm going to try to get a bunch of them together before I leave, because all next week, I'm going to be on a five-day silent retreat in Alhambra, uh, with the great sisters down at Sacred Heart Retreat, uh, place down in Alhambra, California. And so I have my five-day retreat silence. I know a lot of you don't even believe I could even be silent for five days, but oh, trust me, I can. I need, uh, I need to keep present and focused on the Lord. Uh, I've been very... Uh, stressed. You know, people often sit there and say, uh, oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Well, I am blessed, but I am stressed. <laughs> it's just, I'm not stressed about priesthood. I love priesthood with all my heart. I'm stressed about, you know, running a parish and everything else. And we've had uh, people retire and everything else. And uh, so things are starting to fall into place, but it's, uh, it keeps me up at night, you know, just to keep saying, Lord, I trust in you and you know what's best and he does. And so, but it'll be good just to be alone with him for five days. And then I'm going to do a men's retreat down there uh, next weekend, not this weekend coming, but the following. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, I'll be down there for uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on men's uh, doing, uh, giving a men's retreat. Uh, so if you want to spend three days with me, it's like hell on this earth, but you get out of purgatory early. Uh, you can do that. I just call the, uh, or look online at the Sacred Heart Retreat Center in Alhambra run by the nuns. And you can join me next week if you'd like. And then I go on a, a seven day vacation after that. Um, because again, these two weeks, I ask you to pray for me. Of course, I'll do my holy hour every day. Of course, I say mass every day. There is no vacation from your vocation. So of course, I still do all the things I do as a priest. I just don't have to worry about uh, running a parish for two weeks. And I have a great uh, assistant uh, who some of you have seen online. Uh, he's been saying mass and he'll be saying mass for me while I'm gone in the next two weeks. Um, Father Ian McElrath, good man, holy man, uh, prayerful man. Uh, so I encourage you, you can watch him and uh, watch the masses every day. And uh, we have two different personalities in some ways. In some ways, our personalities, we're both sarcastic people. So in those ways, we're pretty strong. Uh, but uh, like I always say, we're people who even though our theologies aren't always the same, we're still people who love the Lord and uh, love his church and love his people. 
And so that's what's most important. So we have to make sure we keep focusing on that. Uh, so I have no problems. He's going to be even taking my dogs for two weeks, which is very uh, kind and gracious of him. Um, so we'll see when I come back. Hopefully uh, I'll be more relaxed and uh, a lot of things will fall into place. So, But I will be praying for you every day and I beg you to please pray for me these next two weeks and not just these two weeks. Uh, you know, if you have a prayer list, please put me on it and uh, please put my assistant on that list too because he has to put up with me and uh, all my staff. Could you imagine being someone on my staff? It would be hard. So again, what we do here is uh, you can ask questions. If you're live right now, you can just, just put it in the live chat there in the comment sections, and I'll get to those. And we have lots of emails. You can just do it by emails too. And this time we're going to start with an email that I got this uh, last Friday from Martin. It says, Father Larry, I have a question for your podcast or your YouTube channel. So you're getting the podcast. I have a 14-year-old high school freshman daughter who is struggling with her faith. I told her I had, reg I had registered her for youth formation to start her confirmation. She told me she was not Catholic because Catholics are too judgmental. My heart just dropped and I felt like I failed as a father. Great question, Martin, and you're not the only one that feels that way. Sometimes I feel that I failed as a father of, the, uh, of my parish and uh, even my family. But you got to know, first of all, that sometimes the comments are right. You know, sometimes we are the most judgmental of anybody. And it's so, you know, when I do a mission, I always talk about, you know, Jesus Christ only gave us one commandment, and that was to love one another, and he forbid us to judge. And we Catholics are very good judges. I do it better than most, you know, and not lovers the way we all should be. And so we rationalize and say how we're not judging people, we're judging actions, but most of us are judging people too, even when we say that, because it's hard to make a distinction. You know, it's hard to, you know, we say we judge the sin, but we love the sinner. And, uh, but we should be loving the sinner first, and then we can judge the sin after. But usually we just dismiss people, you know, and we just have to, first of all, deal with that in our own selves, you know, often, you know, like just today when I had mass this morning, I talked about how we forgive and there's some questions coming up on forgiveness. And already, I don't even think it was an hour after you get four thumbs down, you know, some people think that I'm this big liberal or something. And I just love Jesus. I love the church. I love the Pope of the church. I love the people of the church. I love doing all the things I do. And yet uh, people dismiss me, dismiss you, dismiss everybody. And we put people in categories and we judge them, uh, whether they know God, whether they don't know God. And I just think that God is bigger than all of us. And uh, we have to make sure that we're, we're judging actions, but not people. And the same with the church. And that's why I love Pope Francis so much because he's really trying to make us focus on loving people, uh, never saying sin's okay. And people that hear that hear wrong. Uh, but people are what Jesus came to die for. Uh, and so that's the thing. But second, I don't ever want you, Martin, to think that you failed as a father. Your main job is to pray for your kids and to show them an example. Often, kids have to reject what they've been taught because that has to become their own. 
So when I have kids, especially that young that are sitting there saying, I'm rejecting all this, I don't go too crazy over it. I just say, okay. But, and then sometimes, like again, when someone comes into me and says, Father, I think the church is too judgmental. And I go, yeah, you're right. Tell me about that. Why do you think that? And then you can just sit there and talk about that God so loved the world that he gave his only son in John 3.16. And then it says in John 3.17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And so that's what we need to be doing is saving uh, things. So sometimes we might sound like we're judgmental. Sometimes we are judgmental. But hopefully everything we're doing is to save people. And we do that by giving up our life for them, for meeting them where they are. And so often when kids especially say the church is so judgmental, they mean that I feel that the church and or God has judged me. And I feel that when I go and I pray or I'm with God or I'm going to church, I just feel judged. And that's what we got to do is help people have a real encounter with the living God. Because often they have an encounter with us, his very frail representatives. And we scream and yell online nowadays, and I'm a screamer and a yeller. And, uh, and we talk about who's going to hell, and if you're like this, you're going to hell. And people clap and say, yeah, this is what we need, more priests that tell it like it is. But to tell it like it is talks about the truth of God, who God is. That's what it means to tell it like it is. And God is love, as we've said a million times. And so sometimes we're not good representatives of that loving God. Sometimes we want to be the instruments of his judgment, not just the instruments of peace. So keep praying for your daughter and meet her where she's at and really have discussions with her. Not where you're judging her, but you help her to see the other side of God I encourage you, if they have a retreat program for young people there, you try to get her to go on retreat. Don't make her get confirmed. You can make her go to the classes because you're still her father and you want to still lead her in that. But you still, like if, if after, sometimes we just send our kids to religious ed classes or confirmation classes, but we don't discuss with them. Like they come home and, you know, how was it? It was boring. And good, you come and sit with me and tell me what was boring, what they're supposed to teach today. And then you could just have that conversation with them every time. It could be something, because all kids, whether they say it or not, want to have interaction with their parents. And not interactions where they're put down, but interactions where they're listened to. Interactions where they feel understood, because all of us need that feeling to be understood, to be cared for, to be listened to. So this can be a great opportunity for you and your daughter. But I'd encourage you to pray for her. Say the Divine Mercy Chaplet for her especially. You know, and say because of his sorrowful passion, have mercy and put your daughter's name in that and on the whole world. And so now you're focusing God's great mercy upon her and great things can happen. God loves her more than you do. Do not feel like a failure. You know, your job is to get your kids to heaven. God gives them to the end of their lives. This is just the process, so don't get discouraged, okay? And you're not doing this alone. God is with you. Put her in the Blessed Mother's arms especially. That's what I do, and I've never lost anyone I've given to the Blessed Mother. So don't despair. Have hope, okay? Thanks for your question, Martin. Okay, let's go online here. What's coming in here? A teen asked me this question. We're talking about teens today. 
and I need your answer. Can a male and female who are truly just friends share an apartment, or is this considered a near occasion of sin and should be avoided? It could be a near occasion of sin, but it also could be a, uh, uh, a scandalous, you know, cause scandal to other people. But, you know, again, if they have two different bedrooms and two different places and share a common area, I still wouldn't encourage it. But if they're not sinning, I mean, it wouldn't be objectively sinful. But you are putting themselves, they are putting themselves, uh, especially if they're attracted to people of the opposite sex, it's very hard to be in the same place. And then also it can be scandalous to other people. But if they're in different rooms, you know, it could be in emergencies, you know, or I could see it. But I would not encourage it, okay? Hopefully <laughs> that's helpful. I'm not telling people to do it. I'm just saying objectively you could do it uh, without sin, but it would cause, it would, be, it would be hard and it would also be, uh, could cause scandal and we don't want to uh, cause scandal. Okay, KP, how does a person forgive betrayal? Your thoughts, deep betrayal, 38 years married and hitting girlfriend for three years. Again, if you listen to the gospel today, if you're a daily mass uh, person, if not, you can just, uh, after we're done here, go and uh, listen to my homily this morning. It's on this YouTube channel. The gospel was about forgiveness. And uh, how many times must we forgive? Uh, seven times, uh, Paul. I mean, Peter asked, asked Jesus, and Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 77 times. The old translation was seven times, 70 times, <laughs> 70 times seven. Um uh, but whatever, he means a lot. He doesn't mean just 77 count. Okay, 77, I'm done. That's not what Jesus means. He says, you keep doing it. And I think the problem that most of us get, like I said to people, and that might be why I got four immediately uh, immediate uh, dislikes on my mass this morning, was that, like I started off, that we all forget that I deserve eternal damnation. I have hurt Almighty God by killing his son through my sins. I have hurt other people through my sins. I have been uh, judgmental, been angry, been hurtful, uh, haven't taken care of the poor the way I need to. You know, there's all kinds of things that, uh, uh, that we sin by. huh? Uh, and yet, with that, we deserve eternal damnation. And yet God himself, who we've hurt and whom we've killed by our sins, always forgives us and covers us with his blood. And we have betrayed him horribly. And I think that most people, uh, especially if you go to daily mass or if you're listening to a podcast by a priest, think I'm pretty good compared to all these other people. You know, compared to Satan, I'm a saint. But we don't compare ourselves to Jesus. What? Are, how are you and I compared to Jesus? And I know I can. All as I can do is blush and say, "Really? <laughs> how am I next to Jesus? Pretty bad." And so, if God uh, comes and not only forgives me, but takes my sin upon Him, and then He pays the penalty, He not just says, "Okay, I forgive you." That's easy. He says, "I not only forgive you, I take your sin." And I pay the eternal justice for your sin. And then he says, I want you to forgive others. So if we know how messed up we are and how much we're in need of mercy and how much God has done for me, then we'll be very forgiving of others. 
if we think that, you know, it doesn't mean what your spouse did is okay. Mm-mm. It still hurt you deeply. But what you can do is offer that up for their good, unbelievably, which means you become like Jesus. And then you join Jesus on the cross. And that can be redemptive because, again, forgiveness is an act of the will. It doesn't okay anything. It says, uh, and the best way to do that is you say, Jesus, I forgive them now and I beg you to forgive them. After you've done that simple act, which is very hard, you're free. Again, as we've talked about, if you don't forgive somebody, it doesn't do anything to them. But it destroys you inside like a cancer. Again, the analogy is uh, to not forgive somebody is to uh, drink poison and hope it kills the other person. It just kills you. You are worthy of the love and peace and the freedom that you find in Jesus Christ. And what keeps you from fully enjoying that is if you hold unforgiveness in your heart. So ask God for the grace, and he'll give you the grace, and then make the act of the will, God, Jesus, I forgive them, and I ask you to forgive them. And then you'll start being set free. Feelings mightn't go away. That's not what forgiveness is about. It's not about feelings. It's about uh, making the act of the will. Jesus didn't feel like dying for us when he went to the cross. He fought it, but he still did it. And that's what we got to be doing. We must be like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus lives inside of us. So that means that though we struggle, we keep surrendering and we let Jesus take more control of our hearts and our lives. Okay? So I hope that helps. I know it's not easy. Trust me, I know. But with God, we can do anything and then we'll be set free. Okay? So let's go back here. Why are Catholics covered in masks? Okay, I already dealt with that last week. And in our diocese, uh, the priests and communion ministers have to give communion out in mass again, uh, even though I'm fully vaccinated. And uh, um, and it's good. For, it's just it's the way we die for others. That's all. Again, uh, if it gets if we get to the next level, we have to all start wearing masks again. And when people are yelling and screaming, I just don't get it. Jesus Christ died for us. And he just asks us to die for others. And if that means I have to wear a mask to save other people, then we do it to stop it. Just just stop it. We got to do little things to put other people in front of us. If this is the biggest thing we got to do, please do it. We can do this. We can help save people's lives. And Jesus wants us to save people's lives and to put other people in front of us. He did not have to die for you, but he did. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. So die for others. So if you got to do that again, do it again. When I go to California next week in L.A., I have to wear a mask as I'm preaching a, uh, um, a retreat. They have to wear masks while they're listening to me. So we're going to do it because that's what we're asked to do right now. And, you know, I had a kid come yesterday, a great kid, Chandler. Pray for Chandler. He just got accepted in seminary. And so he asked me, he came into the sacristy last night uh, after uh, 
the novena to St. Joseph for, uh, it's today, Thursday, yeah. Yeah, so last night, and he said, hey, have you any uh, advice as I go to seminary? And I said, do a hoyar every day, because I already do a hoyar. Very nice. I said then, as I got it, then what you need to do is, as St. Augustine says, someone came up to Augustine, and he says, what's the greatest three virtues? And he said, you've heard me say this many times. All of you are listening. The first virtue is humility. The second virtue is humility. The third virtue is humility. That we got to be learning too often, especially seminarians sometimes. They come in and they think they know everything. They know more than the Pope. They know more than their teachers. I know the true teaching of the faith. Nobody else does. They're all wrong. I was like that. But no humility. And we got to have this humility throughout life. You know, I know Jesus. I do. I spend an hour with him every morning. I was with him this morning, as always. But I know I have so much more to grow in knowledge of Jesus. It just is that simple. And when all of us come, and sometimes I'm like that more than I like to admit, that we think we know it all, then we're not learning anymore. We're not growing. And so it's just important, especially seminarians, you have great humility, and you take everything on. You test it. Of course, you have to test all spirits. Is it of God? Is it not of God? But to come in and to want to battle everybody because no one's orthodox except for you. And your orthodoxy so often is what you think is orthodox. You do realize all the heretics think they're orthodox too. All the people that are in schism, and are going to be more people in schism soon, think that they're all very orthodox. Because none of us have this humility that, well, let's talk about it. Let's seek God together. No, you're wrong and I'm right. Ah, it's not of God. It just isn't. It isn't when I do it. It isn't when you do it. So just so we know, we got to keep growing that way. Okay. Okay. So let's go on here. Is it enough to confess anger issues or is an apology to the victim of anger also required? What well, really depends um, how much you hurt them. I mean, once I got into a fight with a friend of mine, and then I went to confession. And then I came back, and I sat there and said, oh, I went to confession. And uh, he was so angry because he thinks, is that it? That's it? All you have to do is go to confession and not bring healing to the, the friendship? Is that all that matters? And, uh, and I just thought about it, and I go, I'm a putz. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, I went to confession. Oh, again, I have to say I'm sorry if I hurt somebody, especially if I did it on purpose. Now, again, I end up hurting a lot of people because I, uh, I open my mouth without thinking, you know, and I'm uh, a very passionate person. I don't know if everybody knows that yet or not, you know, and so, and sometimes I'm just going off and, uh, so it, it depends, but uh, you should, one of the things, like if you steal, you can't just confess, I stole, you got to bring restitution. So it's not enough to confess, I stole. You got to either take it back to the person or take, uh, give it to the poor, but you must make restitution because you can't just go up and say, oh yeah, I stole a thousand dollars from that person. Well, you got to give it back. Oh, I already confessed it. Oh, no, no. Restitution is required in the justice of God. If you can, if not, then you don't have to do it all at one time. You could do it $10 at a time. Do it anonymously. You don't have to go back and acknowledge it, but you got to bring healing back if you can do it. So the same with uh, anger issues. 
And again, I know a lot about anger. I know. So let's go on. Okay, how do I prove dogma isn't human opinions and doctrine? Um, again, because the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church. And that's why, again, we got to make sure that um, we follow as Catholics the magisterium of the church. And the magisterium is the Pope along with the bishops. When they write uh, things, that's the ordinary magisterium. And the ordinary magisterium is still infallible teaching. You know, sometimes people will say today, well, you know, only the Pope can make, he only, everything that comes out of his mouth isn't infallible. Duh. Yes, we know that. Uh, you can disagree with him. That's okay. Uh, but you can't be disrespectful. You can't be nasty. And you can't be saying that official teaching of the church is not the teaching of the church. If it's an encyclical, if it's a, do a dogma, uh, a doctrine, like for instance, some people to this day feel that Vatican II was not of God. Well, then the church isn't of God because when you pull all the bishops together with the Pope and the cardinals from all over the world and then they pray to the Holy Spirit and they come out with these documents, if that is not correct, then the Spirit has left the church and it's not the church at all. It wasn't the church before and it isn't the church now. So we got to just watch how we, we make ourselves infallible, infallible. That's the problem. So, but when the, they come together and if it, again, it focuses with scripture and tradition, all those things must come into play. But the problem is scripture and tradition can support all kinds of stuff. As today, it can support mercy. It can support judgment. You look at the Old Testament, we could go around killing people, right? Because it's what it says in the scripture. But the New Testament, you know, again, it used to be an eye for an eye and a tooth to a tooth. But I say to you, said Jesus, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Huh? I think I like the old way better. That's nice. But Jesus grew. He taught us how to grow and to do God's will. And so this same Jesus Christ is in his church today. He's not dead. He's alive. He continues to lead his church through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, People just make all this like uh, a bunch of teaching of a bunch of men. If that's all it is, I'm leaving. And so should you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like this Bible here. It's a bunch of words that men wrote. But by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the same Spirit of the living God who wrote this scripture is the same Spirit of the living God who speaks through his church and makes it alive and relevant and growing and in the will of God. So it's just important that we do this because we can argue about all kinds of stuff. But is it of God? You know, like yesterday I talked about, you know, Jesus said, wherever two or three agree on anything in my name, there I am in their midst. And then he says, if you agree in prayer, I will grant it. And I says, often we let Jesus divide us instead of unite us. But if we're all looking at Jesus, we're not going to be divided. The problem is we look at everything else. We look at the way I like to worship or the way we worship, however that may be, instead of looking at Jesus. And that's so important that we keep our eyes on Jesus and we know that we have the living God inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's in us. But again, he promised to speak through Peter and through the church. And so we got to have that humble heart that accepts that, okay? Even if we don't agree with it, as I talked about before. Okay. Let's go back here. 
Okay, 50 days to Oktoberfest. Hi, Mark, and the numbers need to go down to October. All booked for a trip to Erie and attend Mass Live with Father. Yes, we hope you come to Oktoberfest the, Oktoberfest the first weekend of October. And I'm going to Italy the following week, and it's still on. Uh, to go to Italy, we have to all be vaccinated, so you're still welcome to come, but we have to be vaccinated. Uh, you can get into Italy without the vaccination, but you can't go into anything unless you have proof of vaccination. So just so you know. There's still openings with that trip. I think it's about 10 openings now if you're interested in coming. But if you want to come to Erie, Pennsylvania, the first weekend of October, we have our great Oktoberfest here. And uh, it's a fantastic time. Soon we're going to have the baskets that we offer over 150 baskets online that you can uh, come. And it's a Chinese auction, so you can buy tickets and put them in the baskets virtually. Or you can come here, meet me, come and uh, I have the 11 o'clock mass always. Uh, or you can meet Father Mac, who's, uh, you know, younger than me, better than me. You could go meet him if you want to meet him. That's even better. But the reality is I encourage you to come to Erie. We have a fine time. And as of right now, everything's going to be open. We might have to wear masks inside. Who knows? But of right now, we don't have to. Uh, you can just come as you are. Okay. Also, again, we have, if you want to help us out, you can give a donation to the parish. Um, just go to stjoesbol.org, stjoesbol.org, because it's St. Joseph Church Bread of Life Community, but stjoesbol.org. And as soon as you get there, I'll tell you more about our Oktoberfest. And also, you can uh, get a chance to win a $50,000 or a, what do we have? A Porsche, a nice red uh, two seater convertible Porsche. We're at $77,000. So I just encourage you. Uh, the tickets are expensive. They're $100. But I say, you're giving a donation to the parish to help us out because we're an inner city parish and boy, do we need help. And so if you can do that, that's fantastic. And then God might bless you for your generosity. So I encourage you to go there if you're interested. But thank you for bringing that up here on here. Can't hear you, Father. Yeah, I know. No sound. I know. Um, yes, they did let me know. Thank you. <laughs> okay. There's all these things here. No sound. Closed caption option. Yes. Genevieve wants you to wish you ha wants me to. Genevieve wants you to wish me happy birthday since you won't be podcasting next week for your 41st birthday. Happy birthday, Chris Walker. You're old. Holy cow. 44. <laughs> All my classmates are turning 60. I'm going to be 62 in March. So it's like, uh, and I still feel like I'm 20. I don't get it. All these uh, people that sit there and talk about uh, older, ah, just keep going to your going. Um, hopefully I just buried a woman the other day, a uh, great lady. Uh, Julie uh, D. Dad, who was 93, and I thought she was only 70. But I've been pastor there for 20 years, and she's been there all this time. I would think that I would have put that in my head, but she was so active, so good. Even to the day she died, she was just sitting there, made herself a cup of coffee, was ready to go out and have her nails done, took a sip of coffee, died. Mm, it's a way to go. So, but again, so uh, yes, happy birthday, Chris Walker. Okay. What do you think about the affirmations and letters of Carlo Maria Vagano? I don't know anything about him, sorry. I, I'm very cautious, though, with uh, any kind of private revelation. 
Again, the only thing that's necessary is the teaching of the church for someone to be saved, period. All those other things can be even okayed by the church, but they're not necessary for salvation. And that's another problem is because people take these things and they make them the teaching of the church. You know, I have a guy who used to sit there and send all these things about how we're all wrong and the Pope says wrong because the seer said that. Well, that's very nice. I speak to Jesus every day, and let me tell you, I want to know truth, period. And so I keep seeking, and and again, if the Lord's leading me astray, he can't do that. I am open to truth. And I want to make sure to keep doing exactly what Jesus wants me to do because, again, we all got to be saints, people. And as I've told you a thousand times, what is it to be a saint? It's when God's will and our will become one. So it's so important that we're seeking that. We're just not listening to what other people say because other people are still interpreting what they hear from God for us. But it's usually for them. It's not for everybody else. So I'm just very cautious when it comes to any kind of private revelations just very cautious, and I usually don't spend any time reading them because it's not necessary. And, uh, you know, it's just that simple, okay? So do you think we're going to be tempted in heaven as Adam and Eve was in paradise? I don't think so because our free will, uh, we still have our free will. Our free will cannot be taken away, but we can't be tempted in the same way as we are now because we've already made our decision or many made our choice. And again, my opinion. If in was paradise, why did the father allow the devil in to tempt Eve? Because again, when it comes to the old uh, to Adam and Eve, he had to give them a choice. If there's no choice, there's no love. You know, again, as I've talked about, my dogs love me because they don't have a choice. They're dogs. But that ain't how I love God. It ain't the way you love God. To love God, we have to choose to love God for who he is. And that's a choice. And so we have to be able to choose something that is not God. And that's why, again, according to Thomas Aquinas, the two greatest, first greatest things God gave us was first existence, and the second thing was free will. So we had to be able to make a choice to obey God or disobey God, to choose God or choose to do things our way. They chose not God, not to trust in his love, when he said you can do anything you want except take from that tree. They thought that God was keeping something from them instead of protecting them. And too often, we think that's the way God is. He's mommy dearest. Remember the movie? And she says, uh, which are your Christmas presents or birthday presents do you like the most? That one mommy dearest, and she takes it away from them. That's not who God is. Come on. The God of the universe who comes and becomes a man and dies on the cross to save you and me from our sins, that's who God is. So we got to have this. But he gives us freedom. He loves us enough to allow us to go to hell. And hell is just separation from God. That's all. It's God gives us what we want, and it's not him. God is not an ogre. You did not have to be created god created you because he loves you he wanted you to exist and he gives you the freedom to love him or to do things your way it's your freedom it's your choice and he'll give you whatever you want choose to love the lord your god with all your heart all your mind all your soul and all your strength 
Choose him. He's enough. And you'll live forever. But don't choose him. Choose him just so you can live forever. Choose him because nobody loves you the way he does. He's the only one that gave his life so you could live forever. That's how much he loves you. So love him back. Okay? So let's go here. Okay, let's go here. Why does it involve for a priest to, uh, what does it involve for a priest to bless and create holy water? Is salt, yeah, we dealt with that. Yes, you should, we dealt with that before. I should have thrown it away, sorry. But yeah, uh, in the old ritual, you needed the salt. I still use the old ritual in, uh, in lots of my blessings, you know, because I love the old ritual, you know. I'm, I'm not saying the Vatican Council, I'm 100% for it. I'm not saying that the new ritual isn't good. I just like the beauty of the old ritual. I don't know any Latin, so it's in English, sorry. But anyway, so, Okay. If you can see Catholic Men's Conference Day helping just one man to find out information about men's conferences in the format, which is the genius to of conferences, then why wouldn't you want men to know about it? Um, so again, there is, like, I want to encourage you, all the men out there, you should go to heroicmen.com. It's an app, and it's put out by CMLA, which I am part of. I'm the spiritual director for the Catholic Men Leadership Alliance, and uh, we have... On our website, CMLA, that we have all these uh, great things about uh, retreats in a box, uh, parish mission, not parish missions, but uh, uh, conferences in boxes. And so it's all been done. And, you know, and so the greatest thing, excuse me, I am a firm believer that everyone needs a retreat in their life or a conference where you get to be and get to know Jesus. Most people have never experienced Jesus Christ. They know about him, they feel guilty when they sin, but they don't know Jesus, meaning they don't know the freedom of what grace does to us, that we should be the most free people. But think about us, Catholics, Protestants, too many people, we always just are always focusing on ourself and our guilt. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to set us free from our guilt. But most people have never experienced the freedom that's in Jesus Christ. So the first question I ask you is, if you experience the freedom of Jesus, do you know the joy of the Lord inside of you? Do you know that you're loved? Do you know that Jesus died for you? Do you have a heart that's filled with gratitude? Or do you have a heart that's filled with fear and anger and uh, judgment and guilt? Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. You and I should be grateful for that. And we should be living in this freedom. And so, if you don't have an experience of Jesus, I encourage you, you need to make a retreat or you need to go to a conference. You need to spend some quality time letting Jesus hold you every day. So, And again, so I encourage you, there's great things on Heroic Men app. It's just put in any of your app things, put Heroic Men. And there's videos of me and all kinds of uh, things just for men. And uh, Catholic, CMLA, uh, there's some great things for... Uh, Great things for priests, great things for bishops, great things for all that kind of stuff. Encourage you. Also, we're redoing our website at uh, the foundation, so a lot of stuff's going to be coming up in the next month or so. Uh, and so it's, we have great things coming, so I'm very excited for that. Okay, yes, yeah, single-day uh, conferences are the thing. It's fantastic. Encourage you to do it. 
Okay, Patricia Murphy. Okay, good job. I hope, again, uh, just love your kids. Meet them where they are, and that'll be great. Thanks for telling me that, uh, Patricia. Okay, a family member must... A family member just passed while traveling outside the U.S. We are unable to bring her back for burial. If cremated outside the U.S., are there guidelines we should follow for her ashes upon her return? The biggest thing is that uh, her ashes need to be buried. And uh, if you look online, the Vatican came out a couple years ago with uh, what to do with cremation. So just put online and say cremation in the Vatican and these guidelines were, you know, it's been okay. You're allowed to be Catholic and cremated. uh, And especially for something like that, for bringing a body back from overseas. Yes, you can do that. But when the, the body comes back in ashes, you should have a funeral mass for him or her, and then you should bury the ashes. You know, not keep them on uh, a mantle or put them on around your neck uh, because their ashes are the place where God dwelled. They are the tabernacle of God. That's why it needs to be buried in sacred space uh, and be blessed, you know. Uh, so again, but if you if you go online and just put the Vatican and cremation, you'll get that document which came out hmm, four or five years ago, I'm guessing. But But you're able to do that. But when you get those ashes back, make sure you have a funeral for them and that the ashes are buried. Okay. Let's go on here. Any doubt with that? Okay, question. How can a person cut down on being distracted and help centered on meditation during and how prayer and adoration? Adoration is one of my biggest things. Uh, I've always done a whole hours in seminary uh, And often, the way I keep from being distracted is a couple things. When I was in seminary, I wrote a paper on this, and I just sat there, and I meditated on the sanctuary candle. You know, everywhere the tabernacle is, there is a sanctuary candle. And if you look at that candle, this candle is always burning in front of the presence of Almighty God. And the candle lets itself be burned up as a sacrifice to Jesus. And so sometimes when I'm sitting there, I look at that candle and it reminds me that I'm supposed to be a living sacrifice to Jesus. That isn't about what Jesus is doing for me right now, but he wants me to come and to let myself be given to him and given to others. And so that reminds me, and it reminds me of everything he always does for me. Even just the very presence of him in the Blessed Sacrament. Here's the God the universe cannot contain. Think about the universe. And yet he humbles himself. Again, humility. The God of the universe humbles himself and makes himself present to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in the most blessed sacrament. How can we not learn to be humble? How can we fight against humility? when the God of the universe becomes present in the most blessed sacrament. So, first thing. The second thing is, for me not to get distracted, I talk about the need for a prayer word. A prayer word is a word that you can say that will bring you into the presence of God. For me, that prayer word is Abba. So, If I'm getting crazy or I'm stressed out, I tell my guardian angel, remind me to say the word. And so if I can be like, oh, crazy, I'm ready to kill somebody, it happens. Or I'm anxious, it happens. Or I'm stressed, 
it happens. If I can say, Abba, I come into the presence of Almighty God. We can do that. So ask in your prayer for a word that will bring you into God's presence. The saints talked about this a lot, Teresa Avila, uh, the cloud of unknowing. There's a lot of uh, history for this. And so I encourage you, focus on um, a word, focus on just looking at the tabernacle or monstrance, just looking and making acts of faith, my Lord and my God. Focus on the candle that burns itself up and how I'm calling just to be silent and still and let myself be burned for love of God and love of others. Uh, and all those things will help, I hope. Okay, so let's go on here. You've always said you found faith because of Billy Graham. How did you choose to become Catholic? Well, I was always Catholic. I was brought up in the Catholic Church, and I went to a Catholic grade school, St. Ambrose on the north side of Pittsburgh. It doesn't exist anymore, of course. (laughs) Anyway, uh, and we used to go to daily Mass there. But again, I'd go to daily Mass because it was the first period of our Catholic uh, education. I really wish Catholic schools would bring that back, but... uh, when we lost all that, someone says, well, we don't want to over-eucharitize our children. Well, you're not over-eucharitizing people. You're giving Jesus to people every day. Again, if we make this ritual or if we make it just theology, we can fight about it. If we make this Jesus, it's not to be fought over because he is not to be fought over. Anyway, but a lot of people, even in the Catholic school system anymore, are just more concerned about the full person, which is fine. But the full person, what we need to do is get people to heaven. And the way, the only way to heaven is by the person, the God-man of Jesus Christ. So it's that, that important reality. So we need to make sure that we're uh, doing that because I just think that's what it is, but it was still not here. I didn't know Jesus like I talked about. So again, I was in um, public high school and reading the play Our Town. If you've never read it, it's a good play. It's very simple. And the main character dies, and it was the first time I realized I was going to die someday. Now, though I was always Catholic, again, I was filled with guilt. I was always con- convinced I'd be going to hell anyway, even if, I, if there was a heaven, if there was a God, I'd go to hell because I'm just a sinful person. Uh, and people uh, like to tell me that all the time <laughs> online. If you, ever, if you ever go there, I usually get the, rid of those comments fast enough, but oh, they're there all the time to remind me, I will go to hell forever. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, then the, uh, I came to know Billy Graham was on TV, and uh, he was saying, I've seen people die. And uh, I, went to, I, turned off to, I turned off to another channel. Again, in those days, there was only four channels. Shows how old I am. But then I thought, oh, I've been afraid of dying. Let's go back. And he said, I've seen people die. Sometimes when people are dying, they're afraid. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Other people, when they're dying, they're saying, Jesus, I'm coming home. And that's when I thought, if this is real, if Jesus is real, the greatest gift I think anyone could have is not to be afraid of dying. So I would go to the church every day and I'd sit there and um, I prayed the prayer with Billy right there, but then I'd go and I'd sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament in downtown Pittsburgh, the Church of Epiphany, and I'd say, Jesus, are you there? Aren't you there? Do you care? Don't you care? And one day Jesus revealed me, revealed himself to me. But I'd have never got there if Billy Graham wouldn't have pointed me there. 
And so again, that's why people say, well, Father Larry's a liar if he says Billy Graham, because no Protestant. See, that kind of hatred, that kind of judgment is not of Jesus Christ. It's just not. I promise you. If that person brought me to Jesus, that's a great thing. God can use anybody. Again, as we talked last week or two weeks ago, God used an ass, literal jackass, literal donkey, to talk to the prophet Balaam. Huh? God can use, he uses me, and I am a jackass. People will tell you that too. And it's true. God can use anyone who's willing to be used or gives permission for God to use them. And so it's just things. So I just after that, after I come to know Jesus and I knelt there and I said, Jesus, what do you want? I'll do anything you want. And as I knelt there in a church epiphany, he said, I want you to be a priest. Okay. Never doubted. Entered seminary. My pastor wouldn't even recommend me because we weren't church churchgoers. He thought I was, uh, it was a fantasy. It was a dream. It was a dream. Uh, but I said, okay, well, you have to give me my baptismal certificate. Okay, and so I stopped, and as he handed me the baptismal certificate, he's dead now. He says, good luck on your fantasy. But he wouldn't recommend me. In fact, the way I got in seminary is no priest would recommend me. It was a, a preacher's daughter, an African-American woman, who was one of my teachers at the public high school I was at, Mrs. Pettis. Uh, I don't even know if she's still with us or if she's went to be with the Lord. But here God used all these people who weren't Catholic to get me to be a priest. Huh? And I've thought many times, I'd have left the Catholic Church years ago because I can't take the fighting. I can't take how judgmental we are and how people think that they know God and the rest of us or don't know God and I do the same. But I can't leave the Eucharist. It's impossible. I can't leave Jesus in the Eucharist. And that's why I'm Catholic and that's why I stay Catholic because of the real presence of Jesus Christ, okay? One more question, and I got to go see my shrink. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. Okay. Can you please make a list of you're going to hell versus you will have purgatory eternal life according to Jesus Christ? Um, I don't know. There is, Jesus never talked about purgatory. Uh, it's from the Old Testament, from Maccabees, and uh, again, it's a place of purification. You're going to heaven. It's just a place to be purified. Jesus talks about hell more. He talks about love. And again, it, it, when we, and that's when you take all the Gospels together and you put it out. He just does. It's interesting how he talks about the eternal damnation and all that stuff. And people, when I talk to the kids, they used to say, that's the hell priest, because I talk about hell. Just to get people's... Uh, attention is what I would do uh, to get it. And they, you know, all, cons all our decisions have eternal consequences. That's why I would do this. So, and again, my biggest thing is you're either going to love people, you're going to hell. Father, it's true. We have to love one another or go to hell. Jesus said, the only way people will know you're my disciples is because you love one another. So again, when people are fighting with me at different things, I say, okay, let's look at the fruit. Jesus said, you can tell a tree by its fruit. That means we're feeding others in love. If we're not feeding others in love, 
not just physically, of course, but that's part of it, but spiritually, then we're not disciples. We're not going to make it to heaven because only people who love. Now, Jesus pays the penalty for all our sins, but he still calls us to grow. Now, again, purgatory, the only thing the church teaches objectively about purgatory is, one, it exists, and two, it's a good and holy thing to pray for the dead. Everything else is uh, theological speculation, and the saints, and there's many books out there today on purgatory, and uh, not, uh, and they're all great things, not, not official teaching of the church, but things that you can listen to. But the way I've always explained purgatory is God is love, and this love is a burning fire of love. And this fire that when you and I die, because we're selfish, because what are we going to do in heaven? We're going to love God and we're going to love others forever and ever and ever. That's why when we love God and we love others now, we're already on the way to heaven. Uh, so because of our selfishness, when God, when we get, and we're in a state of grace, but we still have selfishness that has to be pur- pur- purged away. When we get there into the presence of God, he embraces us and his love is so intense, it's this fire, and it burns away all of the selfishness inside of us as we get purified and we come into his presence. It's this purifying so we can enter in the great love of God because though Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, we're still being purified by that blood. And that's why all the days of our life were purified And that's why when we die, if we're not fully purified, we get purified so that we can enter into the place where God loves us and we love him and we love each other forever. That's why I love to tell people, if you don't want to love people, you're going to hate heaven anyway. We're all going to love each other forever. You know, the people that we hated on earth and we did videos against them and we talked about how evil they are and how we're the only ones going to go to heaven and they're the only ones, you're going to be quite surprised. And Jesus talks about some people are going to be quite surprised because the people they preached against will be the ones in heaven. And the ones of us who were so strong preaching against them, we could easily be in hell because we didn't let Jesus die for us. We wanted to earn our way to heaven, Pelagianism. And we wanted to judge everybody else and tell everybody else who's not going to heaven. So, and even when I say that, I'm fully aware that that's, you know, I'm making a judgment in there. But I'm trying to be clear about what Jesus taught explicitly when you take everything said and done because there's so much in Scripture. But again, if someone asks Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your others as yourself. That's pretty basic. Jesus said it. He's the judge of the world. We love God. We love others. uh, And that's a good place to begin. Okay, so again, thank you for your questions. I'm sorry I didn't get to all of them. Uh, But again, I just ask you to be praying for me, please, in these next two weeks that I come back refreshed. I will be praying for you during my holy hour and during my daily mass. Uh, Again, I won't be doing daily mass. I'll be Sunday. I'll be there Sunday at mass, and then I will not be back until the 31st of September will be my next mass. But Father Mac will be having mass, uh, and we have other people that are coming in when Father Mac isn't there for like the one Sunday at 11 o'clock. So there'll be another priest there. So we'll still be having mass in that for you, and I'll remember you every day. But please pray for me, and we'll see you, God willing, in three weeks. Okay, the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.
God bless you. Have a great two weeks, and we will be seeing you. God bless.